Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. Show tonight. Um, this is a, a pleasure, absolute pleasure. 
And you were awesome uh, last time. Uh, you were very open. You were very honest. You spoke very powerfully and right to the heart. So I have no doubt that uh, today uh, will be along those lines as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So um, for those of you that, that haven't um, heard me before, uh, my name is Melissa, and I am a, a young woman in long-term recovery from substance abuse. And uh, right now, my clean date, that means is that for the last three, almost three years, I have not had any mood or mind-altering substances, uh, so no drugs, no alcohol, nothing um, in that time, and I consider myself in recovery. So what that means is if we look at the word recovery, it's healing. So I am healing from, uh, from my substance abuse disorder. Um, I'm still human. I can still live about my life as like a normal human being. I can go to weddings. I can go to parties. Um, I am just like everybody else. I just can't have any mood or mind altering substances in my body because I get, um, I'm allergic to them, as I like to say. And my brain works in an obsessive way where when I start to have those, um, they are all I can think about. I become obsessed with them. And unfortunately, my mind becomes altered and unclear, and I make not-so-nice decisions. And my life becomes unmanageable over time. So I live a better life, sober and clean, in a life of long-term recovery, and that's okay. Um, joining me today, I actually have my father on the line, and we're going to have a discussion about what it's like having a daughter in recovery from, like, the parent's point of view um, and also the kid's point of view, my point of view. Um, so I started... Uh, drinking at a young age I was 13 and I'm pretty sure my parents had no idea um, you know I don't blame my parents at all for any of my choices um, just want to make that clear uh, my parents were always trying to do what's best for me and not once did I ever doubt that they loved me and I hope that they're proud of me today. Right, Dad? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. So, Dad, um, you're, you're like my number one uh, supporter for my recovery, you know. Um, and I'm so appreciative of that and so grateful because I know a lot of people's position don't have that relationship with their parents. Um, you know, how, how does it honestly make you feel knowing that, that your daughter, um, is in this, this position? Um, I'm always very happy. I mean, I can give a little background about myself. Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I'm familiar with recovery because I'm someone who came into recovery, uh, at the age of 26 and um, 
so before Melissa was born, I was uh, living the lifestyle of uh, no, as she described it, no mood-altering drugs or alcohol for many years. And uh, I live that way today. Um, you know, I did have a little blip in there where I thought maybe I should get out after 21 years uh, just to make sure that uh, I can't uh, successfully drink and uh I had that proven to me in about a year and a half that, or proved it to myself that uh, I'm, like Melissa described it, obsessive once I ingest anything, whether it's alcohol or cigarettes or, or anything. I just, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to obsess over. Um, so for me, with a lot of uh, time, you know, when I say time, I mean literally uh time spent with people um in the in recovery it, it was very good to see melissa you know to see her continuing and, and staying in recovery i was unaware that melissa was drinking i lived two hours away and um it was just a shock to me when when it first started um you know, i remember i was driving and she called me and said she had to go to a rehab and I was like what this was like a total total shock um, but it's years later and uh, and and things are you know working out and you know she's seems to have an understanding or is learning an understanding of how to place the self recovery and the things that she needs to do to make sure uh, her recovery and her, whether we're talking about physical or spiritual or mental recovery, um, there's certain things she has to prioritize and put in her life. And that's what I've learned is that I'm responsible for my recovery. I'm responsible for what I need to do to stay uh, in recovery. And Melissa's figuring that out. It's really good to see that. You know what memory popped into my head, Dad? Um, I don't know if you remember this, but it's a key part of my recovery process. So um, back in 2015, I had unfortunately um, lost uh, the, the guy that I was dating had taken his own life. And uh, it was mid-relationship. And I was very young. Um, to experience that trauma and I was having a lot of trouble sleeping because anytime I would fall asleep I would just have these nightmares Um, and that was at the time like the first time I ever tried to get sober Um, and so I remember even though my dad lived um, far away from me you know, we still called each other and texted each other. And I just remember it being, I think it was like 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. Did him saying something like, hey, um, I'm having I'm having a bad night. And immediately, minutes later, he, he calls me up and we were on the phone for hours. And I just 
Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about grief and about life and about me and, and whatnot. And um, he was on the phone until I was able to calm down and, and go to sleep. And, and it meant so much to me because, like, looking back, you know, knowing that I have that support, a lot of a lot of kids don't. They're afraid to go to their parents. They're afraid to talk to their mom and dad. But meanwhile, mm-hmm. like I have a mother who who did who is extremely supportive and loving and, and she knows that she can't control my decisions, but she definitely gives me a lot of advice to help me make better decisions and to have a father that's there and that's been there. He's been in my shoes just at a different time period, you know, like I'm very grateful. And, and that's just something that I, I just always remember and think about, you know, mm-hmm. is there, um, so I have a question for you. Um, was there ever a time that you truly felt disappointed in me? Um, whether it was like hearing my story or, or something like, you know, that you feel comfortable sharing uh, tonight? No, I don't. I don't. Um, yeah, there's always I'm little putting things. you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, there may be little things where, you know, somebody who's young doesn't always say the right thing in, in a, a public situation like a wedding or something like that. But in general, you know, I don't I don't have anything negative to say or, or disappointment in terms of what you're you're doing. You know, you're you're working through, you know, growing up. And a lot of people who who suffer from abuse, uh, you know, substance abuse issues, they don't realize that their emotional growth or their their spiritual growth is kind of like put on pause while they're going through their addiction. And then when they come into the program, they may feel they may be 26 years old in in years, but if they've been you know, uh, had their spiritual and emotional growth paused for seven or ten years, then they're they're not going to be a mature adult as much as somebody who wasn't affected by trauma or or abuse or something. And uh, it takes some time to work through learning, you know, how and when to act a certain way or say something or or make a decision like you, you talked about in the beginning, um, learning how to make the right decision in the moment. Um, that's something we have to always think about. Uh, we're not always perfect, but the only thing we've got to kind of get perfect is, is not to pick up that, that drink or drug at that moment in time and just put it off for a little while. Um, but it, that can occur. That can we could be talking about food uh, myself, you know, right now at my age, I have to start watching my physical body more. And, uh, you know, I'm on the dash diet and it's not fun. Um, I'd much rather be eating hamburgers, but change my diet to suit my body the way it is right now. And 
I got to accept that. But the action part of it is I got to get up every morning early and exercise. And I, I have to learn to say no to the foods that my body is uh, not agreeing with at this point in time. Like yeah, salt. Yeah. I have, um, you know, I have a very addictive personality myself. So if it's not, you know, I have to be careful because I'll find myself hyper fixating on something like video games or work or food. And I will not realize the time that I'm spending on that. And I will, I I have to be very mindful um, of my daily activities and, and prioritize my schedule out because sometimes, um, even though I'm, I'm clean and sober, you know, I do still have that addictive personality. So if it's not one thing, it might be another. And, uh, that's something that I'm always mindful about. Um, especially now with three years. Um, so yeah. And, um, one thing I want to point out too is because I get when I when I speak with alumni in recovery at the schools, I always get asked about my parents and um, like did they know? How did I hide it from them? Like why didn't I go to them? And you know, when you're a kid, when you're when you're like 14 years old you're still developing um, your brain. And if you introduce these hard substances like alcohol and marijuana and, and cocaine and whatnot, you are altering your brain's development and your hormones and your growth. And so, you know, I, I, at the time I felt like I was invincible. I felt like literally the top of the world like nobody else understood me and I know I'm not I know that I like today that I'm certainly not the only person in the world that has dealt with trauma but in that moment at 14 years old I I had that mindset of invincibility and um you know, the, the drugs and the alcohol certainly did not help that mindset. And um, when it comes to addiction and, and this disorder, you have to want it yourself. You, it's very difficult to force somebody, regardless of their age or their family life, it's, they have to want to recover. They have to want to accept the help and unfortunately when I was a kid I was very good at hiding things I was very good at lying um you know I don't know if you remember dad but um it was father's day weekend and uh me and my sisters came up to visit you and I told you that I had to go to summer school that was Uh fun (laughs) yep you know and because I didn't realize care in that in that moment you know um looking back that was a weekend that was supposed to be catered to you you know to to dad to celebrating fathers and um i kind of 
took that away, you know, because I was so focused on partying and, and socializing and everything that I didn't, you know, my grades slipped and, and it's a consequence of my addiction as a, as a youth. Um, and, you know, I think about that a lot, especially when I reflect on um, my old ways and who I used to be. And, and I, I give my dad and my mom both like a lot of credit because I was not an easy child to raise. <laughs> um, you know, if it, if it wasn't one thing, it was another said earlier, I was very manipulative. I would lie. I was very sneaky. So yeah. Um, so my question to you, dad would be, um, what, what advice would you give to parents out there that feel that their child might be in danger of falling down a bad path or um, struggling in, in some way? Like how, how would you suggest that they help from a parent's point of view? Um, just so everybody understands out there, I have five daughters. So Melissa is number <laughs> So I've had a fair amount of experience dealing with daughters at any rate. Um, I think everybody goes, all, all people, not just children, go through stages as they grow up. And things can happen where um, people will want to isolate. And you've got to kind of break through that to show that you care and that you're trying to do what's best for them. Um, sometimes that involves, uh, for my case, in, in one case, uh, not with Melissa, but with someone else, that I had to be kind of the disciplinarian and, and, and be louder than some people would have liked. But that led to um, you know an understanding of okay we have to fix something together um, and, and that's kind of the idea is that you know the community of the family can can work together to fix something um, and be supportive of each other so that whoever's got the problem can can period you need to get better um, people don't get better overnight no matter what the issue is uh, when it's a an addiction issue or a, a, an emotional issue or a, a mental issue um, it takes time to heal and to learn you know that you are loved by your family and you have to show that you have to work at showing that uh, and and make changes so that people, you know, the, the child understands that, you know, I'm loved here, and and this is really, we're trying to do what's best. You know, um, it may sometimes it's painful um, for a period of time, and uh, you know, there's some pushback when you're trying to set rules or or make change in the family, but um, 
there is another side which is you know let let people go let them do whatever and they'll hit the bottom on their own um i i tend to think that there's nothing wrong with talking to people and and letting them understand what's happening helping them understand what's happening um does that does that uh yeah, that definitely. Talking. Yeah, that definitely um, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, now, from point of view, I was just, you know, somewhat of a sneaky wild child, and personally, I don't think anything my mom or dad or anybody in my family could have done differently would have stopped me from doing what I was doing. Um, because even at a young age, you know, I just, if I wanted something, I made sure I got it. And um, I didn't care who I hurt in the process. So personally, you know, I don't, and I said this earlier, I not once in my life ever blamed my parents or um, my anybody in my family for the choices that I made growing up. Um, but the advice that I would give is, is certainly just to get um, communication down, you know, and just make sure that it's a safe space and you're doing all that you can. And if you have to get outside help, um, mm-hmm. then, then do so, you know, um, like family therapists, or counseling, uh, there's no shame in that at all. Um, one of the things that I try to do is I, I talk about my mental health and where I was at when I was a kid when I go to these schools and I share my story to the students because um, a lot of times there's there's a lot of, um, like, people feel discouraged because they don't want to get judged by the counselor or by other people and it's almost like going to therapy has to be a secret but um you know mental health is is it kind of is very parallel to substance use um i was in a very dark place and i had gone through a lot of trauma at a young age and that's essentially why i turned drugs and alcohol for closure um, for for my mental health and and it was not a positive life choice and luckily today I, I have these healthy coping mechanisms so if if something bad does happen or even when something good happens I know and I'm confident in myself that I don't have to drink over it. I don't have to use any substance over it. Um, my sister, my oldest sister, so my dad's oldest daughter, got married in September of 2019, and I was able to successfully stay sober that entire ceremony and that entire reception, that whole whole thing. And um, even though my maid of honor speech was kind of horrible... <laughs> <laughs> um and awkward I was sober and um and I'm glad like I'm I'm able 
to successfully be an adult and successfully have these emotions, these positive emotions, and not have to result to drinking. So, um, yeah, that makes me that makes me happy um, seeing my personal growth. Um, question that's uh, rather personal, um, but is there a moment in time that you can think of where you were just so proud of me um, within the last uh, three years since I got clean? I'm very proud of all the stuff you do with alumni recovery and, you know, some of the all those things you've been to a few of them in person and, and you're, you know, you're definitely what I, what I consider, you know, what you need to do for your personal recovery and then for, you know, for helping others and, and, and that. And I think that's, a, that's for me been a key to my recovery is to be involved and in, in doing things. I, I did things earlier on and I'm still involved in uh, other people's recoveries. And, and that helps me understand what's really important. And I see that you're doing the same thing. And, I, you know, every time we, I try to go to them when I can. And, uh, you know, the uh, poster project and, and the different things. And those moments that really make me understand when you're doing the organizing side of something, um, I think that's a, a big step in, in the right direction. I'm really proud of you for all of that. Aw, thank you, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So me and my dad have spoken before. It's been a while, though. I think the last time you and I spoke at a recovery-related event was, I want to say, in 2016. I think it was, a, yeah. it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, and one thing I like, I love like um, speaking with you and like talking about recovery with you just because um, it just shows that recovery is possible, you know, and mm-hmm. it shows that everybody is affected in some way, shape or form. Right. Um, I agree. Yeah. Recovery uh, um, is definitely something that uh, affects the whole family in or out. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's something that people people don't realize it's a disease that doesn't just affect the person diagnosed it it affects everybody um regardless of of age and whatnot so um having that family support is just to me it makes me um feel stronger that I'm able mm-hmm. to not just go to you, but I also have, have mom, I have my sisters. Um, 
I have, I mean, my family's also growing because cause I'm engaged. I have, I have my fiance and, and his family and, um, mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm very open with them about my recovery process. They've luckily, they've actually never seen me in active addiction. They've only ever known me in a sober lifestyle and I'd like to keep it that way, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. Like I have a very strong and a very vast support system, um, today so another uh, another question for you would be um you have two other daughters that are younger than me that are still in um in grade school so my question is how are you helping them prevent making similar or the same mistakes and and help preventing them from falling into a substance use um, a substance use disorder later on we I think the main thing is to keep the communication lines open and we try to talk and, and be open about everything and um, I spend time with them alone you know like it would, that kind of thing and so they they can be comfortable talking to me about things and, and they're pretty comfortable about, about everything. Um, and we're just going to keep that up. It's, it's, I, you know, I still do a lot of travel for work, so it's a little trickier. Um, but I'm, we're going to keep it up and keep the lines of communication open so that they feel they can talk about anything. And, and, we talk about what's happening, you know, in their lives and their friends. And occasionally we got to adjust something um, and we'll adjust. You know, we had a period where we decided not to use cell phones for a little while. And um, now we're trying to introduce them back into the family a little bit and uh, we'll see how it goes. But if, continue to have issues we may have to you know adjust a little bit you know do you um do you ever censor what they um they're able like what they're able to see to watch to hear like on the radio on television um we talk about it um we're not we do a lot of streaming and, and things like that. And we've kind of, we do censor in terms of uh, on the computer work on the computers. They are not always able to go on the internet the way they used to. And uh, we're, we're trying to adjust periodically to see how we're going to do these things. Um, And it's, you know, we talk about it because there's things happening with some of their friends that are maybe a little more uh, than, than, you know, me or their mother are, are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got them in other situations now. I know when you were growing up, you were, you were very involved in 4-H and that, 
was a very good program, I think, for you in terms of the people you met and the and what you learned. And we've got them in scouts, and, and I think that's going to work out well for them where they're, they're meeting other children their age and younger, and they're getting the opportunity to be leaders um, instead of just followers. So... I think that's important for them to learn how to do that. Yeah. um, I know with my relationship with my little sisters, I'm, I'm kind of like the cool, the cool big sister because I'm not that much older than them, but I'm still kind of old. And I'm still, I, I know a lot of like the social media trends that they refer to and like the, the, celebrities and all that gossip Mm -hmm. um so i have that connection with them but um as a father like an older a different generation how do you feel that social media and and um you know the the media in general how do you feel that that has a um influence on glamorizing um, drugs and alcohol to the younger generation? I think it has an influence on them, and, and you have to, I have to watch it. I know the lyrics of just the music is is, is uh, disturbing sometimes, and I'm sure I sound like my dad did when I was his age, your age, or their age. Um, but um it's, once again, you have to talk about it and communicate and and get into things that are, you know, service oriented. Whether it's church or scouts or or 4-H or something that that is, you know, a community uh, program of people who are trying to improve lives and learn something instead of just, uh, you know. Hide in hide in a room and take drugs. You know, um, you know, you know. And um, it's, it's just a matter. We just have to talk on a regular basis about it. A lot, especially in Bergen County, um, when I was growing up, where that um, there would be some parents um, that would chaperone parties and think that it was okay to host these underage drinking parties under their roof because they were chaperoning. Um, As a father and also as a person in recovery, what's your opinion on that? I think that's illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's illegal now, but... So so that's not something I'm going to participate in. It's just not a... uh, no, I mean, you know, I'm unfortunately I'm old, and I remember, you know, back in the day, people would give wine to children, type of thing. And some cultures, that's that's how people grew up. Um, I'm not sure that now we know, you know, that's probably not the best thing on a daily basis for children. You know. Mhm. Yeah. And it's certainly not a good idea to glamorize the lifestyle of getting drunk or, or 
you know, whatever, every weekend, you know. Um, and there, there's quite a bit of that going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I know for me, like, I, as kids, we didn't see a problem with it. Um, I remember being, like, 16 years old and, and going to parties with other 16-year-olds, and we just didn't see an issue because it was in the movies that we would watch from my generation, like American Pie, uh, Band Camp, you know, Scary Movie. Um, those are the movies that I grew up with and the influence that I had. Um, and I feel like, you know, that had a huge, a heavy, heavy influence on, like, the, the, the lifestyle choices that a lot of myself and made. And um, today, looking on, you know, looking at all these social media trends and, and whatnot, I'm seeing, like, similarities, but definitely, like, a, a difference. I feel like the kids nowadays are more um, educated or, like, at least aware of the dangers that can happen. And there's more resources out there available to them. Like we've definitely come like as a society a very long way. Um, We have the Trevor, the Trevor project, which is an amazing hotline for LGBTQ youth, um, which is 24 seven. We have um, the crisis text hotline where you can 741 and it's, a 24 7 365 days a year hotline and you don't even have to call them you can text them you know so the resources alone have changed and it's amazing um i think that this generation that the kids that are growing up now are extremely lucky to have what they have you know mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of options. Mhm. Mhm. So, so anyway, so. um, so it's about uh seven forty-five. Um, I'm just gonna uh thank my dad for coming on and and thank you Hercules again, um, for having us and for inviting alumni in recovery to uh to speak on uh on your podcast um it's it's truly an honor to be able to uh to get that discussion going and and hopefully you know um some parents were able to uh to hop on and and to listen and um maybe even some kids and and somebody can hear um hear the discussion and, and it'll spark a discussion in their home at their dinner table tonight or tomorrow or sometime in the future, you know? Well, so one thing I love about uh, being on, you're awesome and uh, you're very open and uh, that alone will help a lot of uh, people uh, who don't have that possibility in their life or feel that they don't. And uh, I think alumni recovery uh, does great work in the community and everybody I've uh, met so far has been very remarkable. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely um, a great networking resource for for the uh, for the community, you know. So thank you yeah. so very much for being on. Then, do you have anything you'd like to add in closing? Um, just that um, alumni and recovery has a lot of upcoming events that are happening. Um, we have uh, Recovery Day, which is September 11th at the Tallman uh, Pool Club in New York. And then we also have um, October 17th, we have a another in-person recovery um, walk called Pause for Recovery. And you can find all this information um, on our website, www.alumniandrecovery.org. We also could definitely benefit from having more faces and and new faces to help volunteer and speak and put a face on recovery. You know, because speaking about addiction is is one one step towards preventative action. Yep. Okay, thank you so very much, and uh, thanks to everybody who listened in, uh, whether you listened in online as we uh, were speaking or whether you're going to join us later on in demand. Until next time, this is all of us wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures. Thank you again so very much. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Okay, and we're going to close today with, uh, I guess, let me pick something I'm not familiar with here. Uh, we will Bridget of the Sacred Waters. I've never heard that one.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.